Good morning, Seven Cities Church fam, and welcome to church. My name is Jay, and I'm one of the pastors here at Seven Cities. I have the honor of bringing God's word to you today. And it's a very special day because we are kicking off a brand new series called Summer Baggage, ensuring that you only take what you need. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been on any type of trip, any type of vacation, you know we all have a tendency to either A, overpack and take a bunch of stuff we don't need, or B, we underpack and we get to our destination and realize that we have left behind some things that we desperately need. And then you're running to Walmart or wherever you can find in this new location trying to figure out the best way to get what you need. But this message series is going to be all about making sure that you have everything that you need with you for the summer and beyond. And then on top of that, it is July 4th. It's Independence Day. Take a deep breath. You know what you smell? You smell freedom, right? And, and even with all of her flaws, there is no place I'd rather be than right here in America. I'm so thankful that God has blessed me and my family uh, by being here, by being in this place and that he's chosen us. He's chosen us as a church uh, to be here for such a time as this. He strategically placed us right where we are so that we can reach the people in our city, in our community and in our country with the gospel. You're in America for a purpose. So we should be thankful for the freedoms that we have here. Um, and pray that we don't lose those freedoms, um, but we should do everything that we can to stand on God's word. Remember that we are citizens of heaven first and foremost, but we should do everything that we can to stand on God's word and be a light right here in the great old U.S. of A., uh, where he has placed us. And what better thing to talk about today while we're celebrating freedom with our hot dogs and apple pie and Coca-Cola? What better thing to talk about than the freedom that we have in Christ. And we're going to be in Galatians chapter five today. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there as we talk about freedom in this message series, Summer Baggage, making sure you take what you need. Um, so I want to make sure that you carry your freedom with you throughout this summer. We're going to be in Galatians chapter five, and we're going to kick off just with verse one. Verse one says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. I don't know if you know this, but freedom isn't free. Someone always has to pay the cost for freedom. Freedom always also has some boundaries. You know, we live in a free society, but guess what? I cannot drive as fast as I want to, no matter how much I want to relive that scene from Smokey and the Bandit and hop in my Trans Am with the T-top open and go down 64 at 120 miles per hour. I can't do that. There's some boundaries. There's some limits to our freedom. And that's what we want to talk about today as we talk about this idea of freedom in Christ and just understanding when Paul says for freedom, Christ has set us free. Understanding exactly what he's talking about there. What have we been freed from? And also understanding this. And this is the big thing that I want you to catch today. When you're freed from something, you're also freed to something. You step out of one thing and into another. So let me say that again. When you are freed from something, you are also freed to something. But for freedom, Christ has set us free. Repeat this with me. Repeat this. Get ready to say it on the count of three. And it should be on your screen. For freedom, Christ has set me free. For freedom, Christ has set me free. So let's start with talking about exactly what we are freed from, because this verse doesn't give us a whole lot to go off on that. But the Apostle Paul spends the next several verses, verses two through 12, diving right into that. What have we been freed from? So when he says for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, 
and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. That yoke of slavery that Paul is talking about is the law, the law, the law that was given through Moses back in the Old Testament. If you remember the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy, four of those five books, Exodus through Deuteronomy, deal with parts of this law, this law that was given to the children of Israel, this law that they had to live by. And Paul is saying that for freedom, we have been set free from that law. See, in the church in Galatia, the book that we're reading is a book written to the Galatians, the church in Galatia. There was a dispute about whether or not they needed to be circumcised, whether or not they needed to submit again to the law, because circumcision was a sign that you were committed to the law that came through Moses. And so there was this dispute among the new Christians. Now that I'm a Christian, do I need to be circumcised? The people who were Jews were saying, yes, you must be circumcised. Some of the other people were saying, no, we don't need to be circumcised. And there was this big dispute that Paul wanted to put an end to. So Paul writes this letter and he starts verse or chapter five with that verse that we read for freedom. Christ has set us free. He's telling them that, hey, guys, don't dispute over this stuff. You don't need to resubmit to what Christ has already taken care of. You don't need to resubmit yourself to the law. Jesus came and took care of that. Jesus said that he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. And by fulfilling it, what he really meant was he paid the ultimate sacrifice for it. So Paul is saying we don't need to resubmit again to the law. The law is complete. It's been fulfilled. You don't have to worry about that. But the law is not necessarily a bad thing. Although scripture at times refers refers to it as being bound to the curse of the law. The law isn't always a bad thing. And let me explain. See, it's because of the law that we understand the holiness of God the way that we do. Because of the law, we can look at Scripture and say, "Okay, in order to live in the presence of a holy God, we have to live by certain standards. If you look at the children of Israel and everything that they had to do, if they committed certain sins, they had to make certain sacrifices so that they could remain in proximity to a holy God. Apart from the law, we would not understand God's holiness the way that we do. And honestly, we still don't fully comprehend it. But we need the law to show us that. Also, because of the law, we can understand our actual depravity. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but Paul makes a statement. I believe it's in Romans chapter seven, where he said, I would not have known sin if not for the law. And what he's really saying there is we would never realize just how depraved and how separated we are from God Almighty and his holiness if the law didn't tell us which things were right and which things were wrong. So Paul is saying that because of the law, we can understand that we are totally depraved, that there is nothing good in us. And that because of that, we're separated from a holy God. Now, the good news is, and this is the next thing about the law, because it reveals God's holiness and it reveals our separation and depravity. It reveals our need for a savior. And that's the good news is that Jesus is that savior that he came to. Like I said, he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. He came to be that ultimate sacrifice. See, if you lived with the children of Israel, when you sinned, you would have to make a sacrifice for it. So, you know, if you went through your day and you did something wrong, when you got home that evening, you'd have to go in the backyard and grab a goat and say, sorry, buddy, I screwed up today. So eh, it's time for you to go. And you would have to sacrifice that goat. And the blood of that goat would be the sacrifice for your sin. It would atone for your sin. But that blood of that goat was never going to be enough. So Jesus came, he put on flesh, he came and he dwelt among us and he lived a sinless life and he died on the cross, a horrible, horrendous death. And he was buried in the tomb and three days later, he rose again victoriously, thus completing the law. So we no longer have to sacrifice goats and animals when we do wrong because Jesus already paid 
the price for it. And that's the good news that comes out of the law is that because the law revealed God's holiness and it revealed our depravity, it showed us our need for a savior. And Jesus came to fulfill that. So if you've ever wondered why you need Jesus, it's because of the law. If you've ever wondered how are people who are not in Christ going to be judged, they're going to be judged by the law. And so because of that, Jesus came so that we could be freed from the law. And that's why it says for freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. So that begs the question, what are we free to? And we get a great picture of this in Romans chapter 8. And if you will turn there with me real quick, Romans chapter 8, you just flip backwards a couple of books from Galatians, a couple of books, a couple of pages, and you will run right smack into Romans chapter 8. And I will give you just a second to get there. But remember, as we're about to read Romans chapter eight, we're just going to read the first four verses. But remember this, the law revealed God's holiness. The law also revealed our depravity and it revealed our need for a savior. So the law, although it's considered us being in bondage to it, it's considered us being in slavery to it. The law was not necessarily a bad thing because God gave it as a temporary measure so that people could live in proximity to him. But in Romans chapter eight, we get a great picture of what Jesus did for us in regards to law. It says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Notice those two times that it says in Christ Jesus. This only applies if you are in Christ. Verse three goes on to say for God, for God. Now think about this. This was God's plan. So verse three, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. See, we were incapable of living up to the law because our flesh was weakened by sin. And so God had a plan and he instituted this plan. He fulfilled this plan in Jesus to do what we in our sinful flesh and the law could not do. It says, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Notice it uses the word likeness there. So Jesus had no sin. He was not born of a man. He was born through a virgin. So he came in with no sin. And because he came in with no sin, he could pay the price for our sin. So it says by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. See, if Jesus didn't die for us, there would be no, no, uh, there would be no payment for our sin, which means that we would all be held accountable to the law and we would all be punished under the law. The law was always going to lead us to condemnation. That's the only place the law was going to go. But Jesus had to come to fulfill that so that we could be free from that condemnation. Back again with verse four, it says, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So if you walk according to the spirit, if you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation for you. Condemnation equals guilt and shame that leads to death. But because you are in Christ Jesus, God has replaced your guilt with hope. God has replaced your shame with mercy and God has replaced death with life. Did you catch that? Because you're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation for you. He's replaced everything that comes with condemnation with this thing that he has freed us to. And that's what we're going to talk about now. So what have we been freed to? We have been freed from the law. We've been separated from the law. Christ fulfilled that. So we no longer have to meet the requirement of it. But we have been freed to 
grace. And I want that to sink in for a moment. You have been freed to grace. You were under condemnation. You were guilty. You should have been, you had shame and and your penalty that you deserve was death. But because you are in Christ Jesus, God has replaced your guilt with hope. He's replaced your shame with mercy and he's replaced your death with eternal life. You have been freed to grace. Now, think about that for a moment, just what that means. Have you ever heard that old adage that says with great freedom comes great responsibility? So you have been freed to grace. That doesn't mean that now that we have grace, that we can just go out and do what we want, that we can just go out and sin however we want. That would be the equivalent of the children of Israel trying to go back to Egypt. Why would you want to go back to what God has freed you from? That sin, the weight of that sin carried death with it and God freed you from it. Why would you want to go back there? Why would you want to go back to Egypt? So grace doesn't mean that we get to live on in sin because God is holy. And because he's holy, if we want to dwell in his presence, we need to be covered in the blood of Jesus so that when he looks at us, he doesn't see us. He doesn't see our sin and depravity. He sees his righteous son, Jesus, poured out on us. But it doesn't give me license to just go out and do what I want the same way I can't just hop in my car and drive as fast as I want. There are some boundaries in this freedom that doesn't give me license to go on a sin. No, it actually does the exact opposite. When we talk about what you have been free to look back at Romans chapter eight, verse one, it says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's letting you know that now you're under grace. And because you're under grace, you do have some responsibility. There is something that God has called you to. And the thing that he has called you to, we'll find back in Galatians chapter five. So we can flip back there just a couple of pages forward. We'll find ourselves right back in Galatians chapter five. And remember verse one, say this with me for freedom. Christ has set me free. Therefore, I will stand firm and I will not submit again to the yoke of slavery. I'm not going to go backwards. I'm not going to resubmit to the law. I'm not going to be caught up in religion because here's the real deal with the law. The law is man's best attempt to get to God. The law is our best way to get to God in our own power. And we were never going to make it. We weren't going to make it there. So we needed someone to stand in our place and God sent his only son to do that. And because of that, we have been freed to grace. But if we pick up in Galatians chapter five and verse 13, it says, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And let's break this down a little bit. He says we have been called to freedom. That means you have been called and chosen for this salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. And because of that, Christ has set you free. You've been called to that. Think about that. You have been chosen to be free. Right. He says you have been called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. See, it would be real easy for us because we know that we're free. It would be very easy for us to just continue living on in the flesh. It would be very easy for us to continue to pursue what our flesh desires, to pursue our lust and our greed and our pride. But no, God has called us to something so much more than all of that. We have been freed from that, from the curse of the law, from the sin that leads to death. We have been set free from it. He goes on to say, but through love, serve one another. And here's something I want you to hear. You are no more like Christ 
than when you are serving one another in love. And Mark, I believe it was Mark 12:45, or I'm sorry, Mark 10:45. Jesus said, for the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' whole purpose in coming here was to be a servant and to give his life as a ransom. So when he gives his life for us and we receive his gift of salvation, when we are moved from death to life, when we are moved from condemnation to grace, we should become servants the way that Jesus is a servant. He said he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We are no more like Christ than when we serve one another. Galatians 6, 2 says this, it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. See, that's what makes a community of believers so special. That's what makes a community of Christ followers so special. It's not it's not the the, the pageantry of, of being in a worship service. It's not the building. It's not all of that stuff. What makes us so special is that in Christ, we have been set free from condemnation, from the law. We have been freed to grace. And because we have been freed to grace in love, we use that freedom to serve one another. That's what should separate our communities from every other one is how we serve one another. People should look at the way we love for one another and care for one another and bear one another's burdens and say, I want some of that. That's what makes us different. That's what the world doesn't do for one another. They don't bear one another's burdens that way. We're supposed to carry one another's burdens. So you're going to hear Pastor Brian and I talk a lot about worship in homes, what it means to be in a city home and how it's so much more than just a small group. But these homes are going to be places where we do bear one another's burdens, where we fulfill the law of Christ by doing that, where in love we serve one another. We're going to care for one another. We're going to carry one another's burdens and we're going to love one another. And that's what we have been freed to is to grace so that we can love one another. Think about that. Just let that sink in right there where you're sitting. For freedom, Christ has set you free. You have been freed from condemnation. You have been freed to grace. And now we get to use that grace for good. We don't carry on in sin. We don't use our freedom as a license to go on in sin. No, we use our freedom as a license to go out and love the world and to shine the light of Jesus on the world around us. And even more importantly, to bear one another's burdens. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, Jay, I'm not trying to follow the law. I'm not sacrificing any goats. I'm not keeping all of these festivals. I'm not trying to go out and do any of the things that they talked about in Leviticus. In fact, I haven't even read Leviticus. It's a little too long for me. I don't really get it. So I just stay away from it. I'm not trying to do that. But if you remember a second ago, I made the statement that the law is really the only way that man could get to God on his own, if that were possible. And even though you're not sacrificing goats and bulls and turtle doves, maybe you're still living like a slave. Maybe you're still living like a slave to the law because you're trying to get to God through your works. You're trying to get to God through the things that you can do. You're trying to prove your, to yourself and to God that you are good enough. But again, the law was only going to lead to condemnation. The law was never going to make you free. The law was only going to show you just how guilty and depraved you were. But for freedom, Christ has set you free from that. You were never going to be good enough. You were never going to be enough under the law. But that's okay. 
because Jesus is more than enough and he came to set you free. And when he came and he died in your place and he rose victoriously from that grave, he proved that he was more than enough. So now for freedom, you can say that Christ has set you free if you have received his gift of salvation. For freedom, Christ has made you free. You were born for this. You were meant to live free and use that freedom for good to go out and love one another and serve one another. You may not be sacrificing bulls and goats, but if you are trying to earn your way to God, if you're trying to give your way to God or serve your way to God, if you're doing those things for any reason other than because of grace, you're trying to earn your way to him and you're still a bondage. You're still in condemnation to the law, whether you realize it or not for freedom. Christ has set you free. Use your freedom for good. Use your freedom and your grace to love and serve one another. For freedom, Christ has made you free. You're under grace now. And you should should live in that grace. And y'all, I don't know if we fully, fully understand what that really means. Because sometimes we think about grace and it's just this overwhelming feeling of, Lord, I so don't deserve this. God, I know me. I know my sin. I know my thoughts. I know my actions. I know that truly, truly, truly I deserve every penalty you can throw at me, Father. But you have set me free through Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus finished work on the cross, I'm no longer a slave to that. I don't get punished for that. I get freedom in you and I want to use that freedom for you. But sometimes we don't understand what grace really means. Grace truly means that there is therefore now no condemnation for you. So if you're beating yourself up for the things that you used to do, if you're carrying around the weight of sin for things that you've done in your past, the mistakes that you've made that are behind you, you're not living in grace, you're living in bondage. And today is the day that I would say to you, let that go. Turn that over to Jesus, place that at the foot of the cross. And as he's nailed to that cross, as he's bleeding out for your sin and for my sin, realize that all of that stuff is covered in his blood and you don't have to pay for it anymore. You don't have to carry the guilt or the shame of it anymore. You are living under grace for freedom. Christ has set you free. And because you're under grace, the shame doesn't apply. Stop beating yourself up. Stop living in condemnation. Stop carrying the weight of sin on your shoulders because Jesus bore it on his. It's not yours to carry anymore. For freedom, Christ has made you free. And the flip side of that coin is this. Because you've been given grace, you need to give grace because Christ has set you free. You need to freely give grace to others. And sometimes we can look at the world around us, church, and we can exercise everything but grace. We exercise judgment. We exercise hatred. We exercise intolerance. We do not exercise grace. But for freedom, you have been set free. And God has placed you here for such a time as this. He has put you right here where you are in the seven cities of Hampton Roads, Virginia, in the state of Virginia, in the country of the United States of America. He has put you here on purpose and for a purpose so that you can shine his light to the world around you. And you can take the grace that you've been freely given and give it away to other people. 
Remember, Jesus said the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And the way that we demonstrate giving our lives as a ransom for many is we give grace to people that don't deserve it. We give grace to people who have wronged us. We give grace to people who are living in sin and doing things that we don't agree with. We give grace to the lost and the hurting and the broken. And they can see the love of Jesus in that. And then they can experience his grace, too. And they can look at that and say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you because for freedom, I want you to set me free. And then the goal is that they take that grace and they go share it with someone else. And that next person takes that grace and they go share it with someone else. This is how we impact the world around us. And I know it can be so tempting when we see sin. I know it can be so tempting when we see depravity all around us. It can be so tempting to pick up our picket signs. It can be so tempting to close ourselves in our homes and exclude ourselves from the world. It can be so tempting to be shut in and just pray for the rapture to come. But that is not what we're here for. God has called us and placed us here at such a time as this so that we can take the grace of Jesus Christ, the grace that was purchased for us to the world around us, and people can come to know his grace his love, and his mercy. That's why you're here. That is why you've been set free. You are free. You have been freed so that you can go free other people. You have been freed so that you can go and demonstrate to other people this is the way to freedom. You have been freed so that you can share grace and love one another and bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For freedom, Christ has set you free. If you're that person who there's something from your past, if you're that person who's carrying around the guilt and the weight and the shame of condemnation, hear these words and hear them clearly. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are in him, you are set free. Release that yoke of bondage. Release it right now in the name of Jesus. You have been set free from the guilt and the condemnation and the shame, and all, those, all of those sins may deserve death, you get life. You get eternal life with him, and you get grace that you can then share with the world around you. If that is you, if you're that person and you're carrying around guilt and shame and sin, the weight of sin from the past, I want to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, for those people who hear the sound of my voice, who the weight of sin the weight of shame, the weight of condemnation. And Lord, I, I, I see this picture in my spirit of these people who, although they may stand upright like I am now, spiritually, they're hunched over. Spiritually, they're bowed down. Spiritually, they can't look up. Spiritually, they can't stand up straight, Father, because the weight of the condemnation and the shame and the guilt that they carry is so heavy, Jesus, but you have set them free from that. So I proclaim freedom over them in the name of Jesus. Freedom. Church, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Jesus, I pray that your spirit even through this video that your spirit would convict us of sin, but also show us the love that we have in our merciful Savior, that we would experience the freedom, Jesus, that you came to give us, that each person who is still carrying that weight would let it go, Father, that they would feel tangibly this weight lift off of them, Lord, and they would feel what freedom feels like in you. For freedom, you have set us free. 
And I pray, Father, that for those who are in Christ Jesus, I thank you that you have broken the chains of bondage. I thank you that you have broken the chains of condemnation. And I pray, Father, that they would not use their freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but in love they would serve one another, that we would extend grace and freedom to those around us. Now, you may be listening to me and you're thinking, Jay, I don't know if I'm in Christ Jesus. I don't know if I've ever taken that step. Excuse me. I don't know if I am in Christ to the point where I can say that for freedom, Christ has set me free. I don't know if I've ever been set free. If that's where you find yourself today. And I know that this, this, this talk about salvation, sometimes it can seem spooky. Sometimes it can seem mystical. Sometimes we don't even fully understand what's happening. But let me explain this to you a little bit. Because of what happened in the garden, sin into the world, because of Adam and Eve's sin, sin into the world. Each of us is born with a sin nature, and because of that sin nature, we do things in life that transgress God's law. And if you were still bound under the law, if you haven't received God's gift of salvation yet, you're still attached to that law, which means that the path you're headed down is the curse of the law because it's heading you for, to a place of condemnation. On your own, you're never going to be enough. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to achieve what's necessary to enter into God's grace. But that's the good news of the gospel. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to achieve anything. All you have to do is receive his gift of salvation. Jesus came and he died on the cross in your place. He took your punishment. He bore your guilt, your sin and your shame. And then he was buried in the tomb. And in the tomb, he defeated death, hell and the grave when he rose victoriously. And because of his resurrection, because of his sinless life, because of his death on the cross and because of his resurrection, now for freedom, he can set you free so that you can live in his grace. You can live in his mercy. You don't have to carry the condemnation anymore. You can be freed from your sin so that when your heavenly father looks down from heaven and he sees you, there's no desire to pour out his wrath on you. There's no condemnation on you. When you have been set free in Christ, your heavenly father looks down at you and what he sees It's his child. He sees the blood of his son, Jesus, poured out over you. He looks at you and he sees righteousness that's given to you because Jesus was righteous. He filled the righteous requirement of the law, as we read in Romans chapter 8. And because of that, if you receive God's gift of salvation, when your heavenly father looks at you, he's going to see all of that. No more sin, no more shame, no more guilt, but hope and love and life and righteousness in Jesus Christ. And if you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you and what that feels like is is you will feel this conviction for your sin. You will realize, just like I said about the law earlier, that the law reveals God's holiness, but it also reveals our depravity and it reveals our need for a savior. The Holy Spirit is the one who reveals all of that to us. He reveals that, that we need a savior to pay the price for us. And so you will feel this conviction for your sin, this shame and guilt that does come, this godly sorrow that leads to repentance. But you're also going to feel and experience the faith to believe that Jesus is the savior, that he is the only way. And to receive that gift of salvation, if that's where you find yourself now, feeling convicted of your sin and ready to receive your savior, to receive that gift of salvation, all you do have to do is pray a simple prayer. Something like, Dear Lord Jesus, I realize that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I know, Jesus, that you are that Savior, that I deserve death, but you came to give me life, that I deserve punishment, but you came to give me freedom. 
I believe that you are the Savior. And so I'm asking you, Jesus, save me from my sin. Be Lord of my life. For freedom, set me free so that I can live in grace and in love serve other people. And if you pray a simple prayer like that and you receive God's gift of salvation, now for, you can say for freedom, Christ has set me free. I'm no longer under a yoke of bondage. I'm not going to return to that. I'm set free. And because of that, I can live in grace. And now I'm going to go out and tell other people about this freedom that I've just received so that they can experience that grace too. And in love, we're going to serve one another. Church, for freedom, Christ has set us free. And as you go through this summer, I know that the summertime is a time where sometimes we can disconnect from church. We can disconnect from our fellow believers and we can disconnect from God's word. But I want to encourage you to remember that for freedom, Christ has set you free. So in love, serve one another. Let this be a time where we focus our energy on connecting with one another. Let this be a time where we build bonds and relationships with one another that, that, that bind us together so that we can fulfill the law of Christ as we carry one another's burdens and as we give grace to one another so that we can all experience the freedom that Christ came to give us. Let me pray for you, church. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for your flock. Jesus, I thank you that you are the good shepherd and that you've called us, chosen us, placed us here on purpose and for a purpose. Thank you for letting us live in your freedom, the freedom that you came to give and allowing us to experience your grace and help us to carry one another's burdens, to fulfill the law of Christ by doing so, and to share this grace and freedom with the world around us. And we will thank you and praise you for it, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I love you, church.